Yeah, we've come down to that. That's our obviously superhero in, in our world. But obviously there is evil in our world. I mean, isn't it true that when we see what's happening around us, we can obviously see that there's evil in this world. Even Captain Obvious would be able to see that. Now, we're in this series, Life's Timeline. And what we've been talking about is how Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us that God knows the plans that he has for us. Plans for good and not for evil to give us a future and a hope. But how do you have hope in a world that is filled with evil? I mean, what, what does evil look like anyway? Where does evil come from? Did God create evil? Because if God created, then, and if evil exists in our world, then wouldn't it be that God created evil? I mean, these are the questions that people ask. These are the questions that we ask. These are the questions we think about. But in this timeline of life, we're going to see that evil in our world continuously moves throughout communities, homes, and even our very own personal lives. Because if we're thinking evil is out there, then we're mistaken. There's evil, definitely evil. But how do we have this hope that God promises us in a world that is full of evil? And I think we all want to have this hope. The question is, where does it come from and what does it look like? Now, we're here today because of our, our willingness to want to learn something from God. And I think when we're willing to learn, God will teach us things that we may have never learned if we were unwilling. When you're willing, then he'll teach you some things that will far outweigh any uh, kind of uh, theory or any kind of thought process. It's when God gives us wisdom, that is going to be a part of the life that he gives to us in this timeline of life. And at any given time, this wisdom that he gives to us can be implemented because of the promises that he has for us. And one of the promises that he has is hope in an evil world. And today, that's what we're going to talk about. How do we have this hope in an evil world? Because obviously, there is evil in our world. Now, for some of you, you might say, there's evil in my house. There's evil uh, in my workplace. There's evil that comes out of me sometimes. And, or sometimes I see evil happening right beside me. It's, it, it happens in our world. But it's more than just evil in our world because if it's just about evil and bad things happening and that's, if that's all we focus on, then what hope do we really have? Did you know that we have in our, uh, with technology, there's a thing called algorithms. Certain things that you do on your phone, if you're on social media or visiting websites, that Data is collected. So as you're, you know, viewing different things, checking up different things, if you shop at certain places online, and if you, let's just say you're watching certain videos or you have a certain interest on, on, online, and as you scroll through social media, your algorithms will let advertisers know, as well as different videos that are being uh, shown on social media, It'll let them know what you're most commonly used to or what you're commonly or what you most likely are to want to watch. And so they'll give you suggestions and things like that. And because of these algorithms, they kind of know more or less what you're searching for. And it's interesting that the more we watch things or read certain news blogs or posts or things that come online, the more we read those type of things, the more of that nature will come into your stream, as it were. In other words, 
Whatever you are gravitating towards, if it's online, that's what will come your way. So if you see something that is bad, let's just say, like yesterday uh, with what happened in London, if you're scrolling through, that's pretty much all you're going to read and watch because of the algorithms, and it's just going to feed you those types of videos. Now, the more you watch what's happening around the world, the more depressed you can become, and the more hopeless you can feel, or you'll feel more hopelessness. Why? Because that's all you're focused on, and that's all you're being fed. There's a lot of good that is happening in our world, but the problem is there's so much coming our way that it almost seems like only evil is reigning in our world. There was a a friend of mine was telling me about uh, good things that were happening uh, with our police department. And, you know, the newspapers would come and say, hey, you know, what's happening? And they would say, oh, these are the good things that are happening. This is going well. This is going well. And they said, oh, oh, that's good. And they said, oh, are you going to write a story? They said, no, because nothing good. Or, well, nothing. I I can't write anything about it. There's nothing to write about. That's kind of like what it was said. Nothing to write about. So yeah, because who's going to want to read good news? Why would I report anything that is going well? And I thought, we're the consumers of evil. And we're not even trying. We're not saying, I want to consume evil. But for some reason, bad news sells. In fact, we spread more bad news than good news. Whenever something bad happens, we tell everybody. I mean, quickly. We spread the news quickly. When you eat at a bad restaurant, you tell all your friends. You let them know, don't go to this restaurant because it is bad. We spread bad news quickly. So how do we... How do we have this hope in this evil world? And we're going to look at that. We're going to look at three key things that helps us and some some reasons why we can have hope in this world. And you can take out your notes that are in your bulletin or you can jump onto the church app and it'll help you to follow along. But we got to understand that there is hope in the midst of darkness because Jesus overcame it. Darkness, yes, is here. But Jesus overcame it. There is evil in our world, yes, but Jesus overcame it. That's why he came. We were uh, just at our Foursquare convention, which is our, our denomination, and some of our staff went. Uh, we were in Washington, D.C., and we just came back last night. So right now is lunchtime for me. I am super hungry. But when, when we were there in D.C., you see a lot. You know, everything that takes place in our nation and, and the world comes out of Washington, D.C. But we were doing this one tour after the conference, and... We visited this one place called the museum, the History Museum of Native America, or uh, the American Indian. And they were talking a little bit about the building and the structure of it. And so this is what the building looks like. And it's a beautiful building. It's a Smithsonian. And in there is one of the largest collections of Native America, of the American Indians. But the reason why it's curved like that is because the Native Americans believed that evil would get trapped in corners, in dark corners. So they rounded everything, and even on the inside, everything is rounded so that evil does not get trapped inside. Now, I only say that to to remind us that that's how people think of evil. So much so that they they will 
design a building that will cost millions of dollars just so that their comfort and confidence that evil would not lurk in a dark corner wouldn't happen. And I think we, we all want to have that kind of mentality that we don't, we don't want evil around us. The problem, however, is that there is evil. And sometimes it lurks in the darkest corners of our hearts. Now, Jesus addressed evil, and he, he, he came across evil moments. But more than that, the Bible tells us that Jesus was here from the beginning. So nothing surprises him. In fact, in the book of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, tells us this, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Listen, evil is real. But when light is shining, even in the most evil moments, evil cannot comprehend it. Evil cannot comprehend the light. Darkness cannot comprehend the light. In the book of Proverbs, it's not in your notes right now, but I'll read it to us. It says that evildoers do not understand what is right, but those who seek the Lord understand it fully. So when you seek God, then you'll be, you'll be able to understand that which is right. So here are some reasons, three reasons why we have hope in an evil world. Here's the first reason, because God is good. Now we can think, well, well then why do bad things happen then? If God is good, then why are bad things happening? Well, just think about it. If there is evil, which there is, then there must be good. And if there is good, then there, there must be someone who brought about good. And if there is good, then there is, there is moral laws. And if, there's a, if there is a moral law, then there must be a moral lawgiver. And because of a moral lawgiver, there must be good behind it. Because as we can see, there are good things that happen in our world. And he's the one that's bringing in good. It's God himself. In the book of Mark, we find a man who was very rich, who had many good things happening for his life. It, he, he, he had everything. But then when he heard Jesus speaking, he was wondering, why is, with what he's saying, why is he saying these things? And, and how can I obtain what he has? Like he could see the life that Jesus had. And he's wondering, how can this man, who has nothing, live as if he owns everything? And so he runs up to Jesus and he says, he says hey, hey, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I, what, 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 what do I need to do? Because I did everything. I, I obeyed all the commandments. What, what must I do? And Jesus actually doesn't answer his question. Don't you love it when you ask Jesus a question and he doesn't answer you? Like you ask him a question and he doesn't answer you and so you feel like he's not there. And you feel like whatever is in your life, whatever evil, whatever that is happening in your life that is not going well... It's like, why didn't you answer my prayer? Why didn't you answer me? I asked you these questions, then you said, come to you. And so I did, but you didn't answer me. Watch how Jesus answers this man. He says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit e eternal life? And so Jesus says, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. Like, that doesn't even help the guy. So we, it seems like it. He's a rich man who asked Jesus, how can I, how can I get eternal life? How can I get eternal life? Good teacher, how can I inherit eternal life? 
Jesus could have said, just believe in me and you'll have everlasting life. But he says, why do you, why, why do you call me good? Only, only God is good. And I'm wondering if the rich man in his mind was thinking, yeah, that's fine, but how do I get eternal life? But why do you call me good? What does that have to do with anything? I'm asking you, how do I get eternal life? Not if God is good or not. You know what Jesus was saying? He was saying sometimes we bypass that God is good and we come up with our answers otherwise. But if we're bypassing that God is good, then no matter what answer we're given, it's not going to hold true. Only God is truly good. So we cannot bypass the fact that God is good. And what usually happens is if when we look around our world, we start to judge if God is good or not based on what is happening in our world. And so people will come up to us and say, well, the God you serve, if he was good, then this wouldn't have happened. They're bypassing that God is good. See, God is good not based on what happens in our world. God is good based on who he is, no matter what happens in our world. This word good comes from a Greek word, agathos, which means of good constitution or nature, useful, pleasant, agreeable, joyful, happy, excellent, distinguished, upright, and honorable. Jesus then tells this rich young ruler, if you want to inherit eternal life, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. That man left the presence of Jesus sad because he had much. Missed the entire point. In other words, this man wasn't willing to receive eternal life. He, he just wanted to know how to get eternal life. He wasn't willing to receive eternal life. There is a difference. Because when you're willing, it doesn't matter the cost. What matters is obedience to God. If he said, sell everything, come follow me, and that guy did, he could have been one of the world's life changers. Like how we've seen Paul, the apostle. You see, we, we, we live in a world that bases God's character on what happens around us. But what Jesus was saying is, no, you can't do that. God is truly good. So if you're coming to me with that question and you miss that God is good, doesn't matter what answer I give you, you're going to leave my presence sad. I, I could have I given you something else, but because I've given you something that's difficult for you to do, you're going to leave my presence sad. So come into my presence with the expectation that whatever I'm going to tell you, God is still good. No matter what I'm going to say, God is still, God, still good. No matter what happens in your life, God is still good. If you come into my presence thinking that you're going to receive what you want, you're going to miss that God is good. Why? Because you don't get what you want, and you're going to base that on how good God is. And Jesus says you're going to miss everything. That's why he says in John, the, John the, one of the disciples of Christ, Third John, he writes this in, in chapter 1. Actually, there's only one chapter in the third book of John, but verse 11, he says, Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God. But he who does evil has not seen God. And that word to imitate comes from the Greek word mimeomai. Now, what word does that sound like in our vocabulary today? Mimeomai. If you're going to imitate someone. It's the word mimic, right? Our kids do that to us. And we say, clean your room or else you're grounded. Clean your room or else you're grounded. That's, and then they get grounded for mimicking you. 
Or they do that behind your back and you turn around, which they didn't expect, and halfway they're like, me, 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 and then they get busted for it. But that's, that's kind of like what a mimic does. But really what the Bible is talking about is, is a mimic is, is someone who takes on that nature. It's actually to mimic someone. It's, it's a mimic. It's, th- that person is a mimic. You're not just copy, copying someone. You are a mimic. There is a difference. To copy someone is different than being that person. As we were coming back, we had some time in between flights from Washington, D.C., and because there was that time, we are walking around, and I saw this one place that I've never seen before, and it was a golf simulation studio. They had like three simulators, so I'm thinking, well, we have about an hour, so uh, maybe we can try this thing. Now, I'm there with my friend, Holy, and, and he golfs, and he's, he's good. So we go in there, and the guy gives us the spiel. He says, yeah, if you do this, you do this. If you sign up for our club, you can have this. I'm like, I'm just between flights. Can I just, like, hit some golf balls? Can I do that? He says, well, if you go on this course, you can do this. If you go on this, I said, look, I just want to hit the golf ball. And he starts, you know, projecting uh, or, or, or giving us the, the, the vision of if we're part of this club. And I'm thinking, I don't want to. I'm, I'm going home. I don't want to be a part of a club. I just want to hit with a club. I don't want to stay here. So we went to this one simulation, and the neat thing about it is not one ball gets lost. I love that. So, and it was accurate because when I hit the ball, it actually went in the bushes. I'm like, this simulation is actually correct. This is what happens in Hilo. It's exactly, it's, I said, this thing is accurate. And so I, I hit the ball, it goes in the bushes, and then I, I hit it out, and then I get it on the fairway. Well, my friend Holy hits the ball, and it sails. I mean, it is, it's gone. And I'm thinking, how can he do that? So I'm watching how he swings, and I'm trying to imitate him. And he swings fluid. I swing like I'm killing flies. It's so different. So I'm trying and trying and trying. And finally, I realize that when it comes to golf, if you're not a golfer, you develop your own swing. That's what it is. You, you develop your own swing. And from what I understand, a golf coach will never tell the person, swing like me. A good golf coach will watch that person's natural swing and develop that. And this is what God does with us. He doesn't tell us to imitate someone else or to copy someone else. He says to be like, be like me. Not just read and then say, okay, I, I got to do that. That's now religion. Relationship is I want to be like Jesus. In other words, I want Jesus to be in me. I don't just want to copy him. I want to be like him. I want to be a mimic of what is good. I don't want to mimic the behaviors of the world or what is evil. I want to, I want to have Jesus in me. Because when I have Jesus in me, then he makes me, the person that I am, become more and more like him in who he created me to be. I don't have to look at someone else and say, I need to be like them, I need to be like them, because that's, that's how I'm supposed to live as a believer. No, no, he says, if you want to bring hope into this world, be who you are in me. I will, I will make you the very best you that you can be. I'm not going to make you like someone else, so stop trying to be like someone else. 
be more like me and I'll make you into the person I see you to be because I need you to shine in a certain place to shine like how you shine so you can reach these people that these people will never be able to reach because they have a different light personality, whatever it would be. Because God is doing something in and through each and every one of us to reach the world. And so he says to imitate that which is good. And he who does good is of God. See, there are many good things happening in our world because God is good. Many great things that are happening that may not be on the news or in the newspaper. And as long as there is God, there is good. And as long as there is good, there is hope. That's why Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 tells us, Finally, brethren, or brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, if, and if there is any praise, dwell on these things. Yeah, the Bible is telling us you got to constantly think about these things because it needs to become you. Because God is good. And we're not. So we need God in us to do anything that is good. Here's the second reason why hope can be in our world or hope overcomes evil is because good wins over evil. This is how we find hope in an evil world because good will always win over evil. Always. That's what makes, the, that's what makes movies so good because there is, there is good and evil and good wins. Good will always win over evil. Now, why is that? Why, why, why is it that good wins over evil? Well, just think about what Jesus did when he was walking. Anytime he walked, any evil that came his way bowed down before him. The demons, or people who were demon-possessed would bow down before Jesus and say, you are Jesus, son of the most high. They knew who he was, and they had to bow down because they knew who he was. You know what I find very interesting is demons bow down before Christ when I have yet to sometimes in my life because they know exactly who he is. They know. And I'm wondering, Lord, why is it sometimes I have this hard time just bowing down to you? Then he reminds me again because you got to remember that good wins over evil. And when we understand that good wins over evil, then it's easier to submit to me. But if there's still evil in your heart, it's going to be difficult to bow down before me. Because you're not going to know who I am. You're too focused on who you are and what's happening around you rather than focusing on me. And when you know who I am, everything changes because he is good. When Jesus died and was buried in the tomb, the tomb couldn't hold him. Why? Because darkness cannot overtake light. I find it interesting that when Jesus was buried in the tomb in darkness, that they tried their very best to conceal the light of life. And they put the, tomb, the, the rock over the tomb, a large stone over the tomb, and put some guards. They tried everything possible to hold in the light. But the darkness cannot comprehend the light, so darkness didn't know what to do, and so the light came out of the grave. Because good always wins over evil. If you ever have evil encountering your life, do good things. Focus on God. 
dwell on the good things, and then turn to him and say, Lord, in this evil situation, how can I become that which is good? Who can I be in this situation when evil seems like it's raining right now? Well, he says this in Romans 12, 21, do not, overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. When he says do not be, it means it's not able to, so don't give in to it. Darkness is not able to overcome you, nor is evil able, able to overcome you. Evil is not able to overcome you, so don't let it. Don't give in to it. That word overcome means to be victorious. In other words, what the Bible is telling us is that evil is not victorious over you. Evil cannot be victorious over you unless you give in to it. You are victorious over evil, so you carry that authority. You carry that, that mantle of authority. I remember coming home before I knew God. I just knew certain things about God. I would come home late at night, and, and as I'm coming home, you know that last like 10 feet before coming into your house when it's dark? It's like the most eeriest moment. And like, hurry up, get to the door, hurry up, get to the door. And, and you got to open the door, and it's like, ooh, close the door. Well, that's how I felt when I was growing up. I had to get in the house quickly because it was dark. Then I would turn on all the lights, and then my mom would come home and say, what, what is this, the electric company? You know, they would say those things. But I was thinking, no, I'm afraid of the dark. But the first thing we do is turn on the light. Why? Because darkness cannot overcome the light. Light overcomes darkness. Light will always pierce the darkness. You have authority over darkness. And anytime you need to see where you're going, we always turn on a light. When a man by the name of Joseph in the book of Genesis was thrown into a ditch by his brothers and then sold into slavery, became the second in command of Egypt, and his brothers didn't know it, his brothers thought he died but then when they found out that he was alive in the ditch, they said, you know what, let's, let's sell him and let's, let's, let's at least get something out of this. Didn't know he was second in command, but when there was a famine in the land, then they had to travel to Egypt, get some grain, and then Joseph made himself known to his brothers and his brothers feared for their lives. And they thought, boy, something, he's going he's gonna to take revenge on us. Because it would seem justifiable. That if Joseph took his revenge out on his brothers, it seems justifiable. But Joseph, knowing God, that good will always overcome evil, did not, did not use that situation to justify an action of evil. He said, no, I'm going I'm to continue to use good because good overcomes evil all the time. And so he responds in this way. And this is the heart God wants us to have in Genesis Chapter 50, verse 20, Joseph says, But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. You know what Joseph was saying? He was saying, at that time, you couldn't see what God was doing. I couldn't see what God was doing. When you threw me in the ditch, we couldn't see that. When you sold me into slavery, we couldn't see that. When I was thrown into prison because I was falsely accused, no one could see the good that God was bringing about, but except one person, God himself. So when evil is around you, don't think that that's the end. That might be a part of what may take place later in your story that God would say, no, this, this happened as a result of what is taking place today. 
that you're going to bring about good because God is good and good always wins over evil to save many people alive. Listen, it's no mistake that you're here today. It's no mistake that you're drawing closer to God because there are people next to you at work, at home, wherever you walk that don't know God so they don't know good. But you do. And your light pierces the darkness. You may work in dark places. You may live in dark places. You may be with people who are dark does, or do dark things. It really doesn't matter. What matters is are you shining your light because good always wins over evil. I don't know how many people are exactly in our city in, in, in Hilo, maybe 70,000. 70,000. I wonder how many of them have yet to come to know that God is good. They're getting their information from the news on how good God is. But God uses his people, his light bearers, to go into the world and shine for him. You can make a difference. That's what this power of one is all about on, on Thursday night that's going to start. If you're that type of person who says, I don't, I don't think I can make a difference, you need to be there on Thursday night. Invest that time. It's a four-week video series. And it's, it's just a simple way of encouraging all of us to learn about the things of God and who you are and how valuable you are to God, that one person can make a difference. That is the power of one person, that you can make a difference in someone's life. Yeah, yeah, but I, I don't do this. I, I'm not this close to God. Forget the excuses. We, we all have them. But that's why Jesus said it's hard sometimes for rich people to come to me. And it's not rich in the sense of money-wise, but when we have so much and so many excuses. And he says, listen, I want to use your life to do great things. Will you invest in it? This invitation that we have for Father's Day, the power of one invitation can make a difference for someone's eternity. You're that valuable. And you're that important to the kingdom of God. And what brings hope in an evil world is actually the presence of God in it. Because God is able to bring about good from evil. Only he can do something like that. No matter what the surroundings look like. It's his presence in an evil world that brings hope. Have you ever been lost? And then finally you find out how to get to where you're going to go? It's like that hope comes back like when we travel i like being with heidi because heidi is a good person to know where directions are she actually asks people she doesn't guess i'm a guesser i will guess heidi is and she's good at, at direction where things are i i can get i can get lost in a circle but she has that and while we're in the city in in washington she has a sense of direction where to go i I get turned around and because I, I'm just so, you know, oblivious to things. I just like enjoying things. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. By the time I'm done looking at everything, I'm like, where in the world am I? But Heidi pays attention. So when I'm with Heidi, I have hope I'm not going to get lost. It's her presence that gives me hope that I'm not going to get lost. And so it is with God. It's his presence that gives us hope that we're not going to stay lost in this world because good will always win over evil. Good always wins over evil. And here's the last reason how or, or why we know that there's, there's hope in an evil world because Jesus is alive. 
Jesus is alive. Just remember it this way. Your hope is as alive as Jesus is. The hope that we have is as alive as Jesus is. And when Jesus was buried in the grave, they thought hope was done. The disciples thought hope was done. They, they thought hope was dead. And so they left and went back to their old ways because why? There's no hope left. But then three days later, hope rose from the grave and gave hope to the entire world where hope can never die. That hope arises and continues to live, move, and breathe. Even in an evil world, when something is dead, your hope sometimes dies with it too. But when something is alive, so is the hope that you had in it. And Jesus died. But then when he did, he knew that he was going to rise from the grave. In fact, that's what he said to his disciples. That, yep, they're going to destroy this temple, but in three days, I'll rise again. Because hope cannot die. Because Jesus is alive. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5, Peter, who walked with Jesus, understood this hope. And so he gives glory to God and he says, Blessed be the God and, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. See, what Peter was saying is, I saw the hope that died that rose again. I, I lived through where hope became hopelessness. I lived through Dark times. I lived through where I put all my, my hope and everything that I had in this one man, Jesus, and he died. And all my hope was gone. I put my trust in him. My loyalty was in him. Everything was in him. And then he died. And the moment he died, it was the moment that everything in me died. Everything, my hopes, my dreams, everything in me died. All my expectations on Jesus died. Everything was dead. Everything he promised me, dead. All the promises that he laid ahead for me, the vision that he gave for my life, dead. Nothing mattered at that point. My life was empty. I could not think of one more thing to do, so I went back to my old ways. That was Peter. And then he saw Jesus three days later. Now, when Peter sees Jesus, they're fishing. Jesus is on the shore, and he says, hey, did you guys catch any fish? Nope. Throw your net on the other side. You're going to catch some. They do. Peter recognizes it's the Lord, jumps in the water, swims to shore. In an instant, in an instant, all his hopes, dreams, aspirations, expectations, everything he envisioned, in fact, became even greater. Why? Because hope cannot die because Jesus is alive. That's the hope that we have in Jesus. So whenever you feel like hope is dying, whenever you feel like life is done, whenever you feel like my dreams are gone, vision has vanished, whenever you feel like fear has become your failure, turn to Jesus because that's where hope is going to be found because Jesus is alive. You want your dreams to come back alive? You want your life to be returned to you even greater than before? Turn to Jesus. Why? Because hope never dies because Jesus is alive. Anytime you feel dead is the moment that you're just only at the foot of the cross. But if you want to be alive, come on the other side where there's the resurrection of Jesus, where hope will never die, where he might say to you, throw your net on the other side, 
In other words, what he's saying is, I'm going to remind you that I'm still Lord of all. And when he shows up, you too will jump out of your boat and you will swim to Christ. And when you do, you're going to see that hope come alive once again because of who he is. Death cannot overcome life because life is in him. And whenever you feel empty, turn to Jesus. He will fill you up, fill you up, constantly fill you up because he is good. Because he is alive and well. John chapter 16, verse 33. John says, these things I have spoken to you. That in me you may have peace. And this is Jesus speaking. In the world you will have tribulation. Then he says, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And this is before the world we live in today. In other words, what Jesus was saying is, you're going to come across things in the world that it's going to seem like evil is taking over. But be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. In Jesus, we have peace. In Jesus, we can be of good cheer, because with Jesus, we live as overcomers of evil, because good always wins over evil, because Jesus is alive and well. Can you say amen to that? And close your Bibles. I want to uh, close with this story. I, I read this, and you may have heard this before. But I just thought this was such a, a creative way of reminding us about evil in our world. And it's a story of a professor who is saying that there is no such thing as evil. And I'll read it. This university professor challenged his students with this question. He said, did God create everything that exists? And the, student, the students bravely replied, yeah, he did. The professor says, God created everything? He created everything? And they said, yeah, he, he created everything. And the professor answered, okay, if, if God created everything, then God created evil since evil exists. And according to the principle that our works define who we are, then God is evil. Well, the student and the rest of them were quiet with the answer that the professor gave. And the professor was quite pleased with himself and boasted to the students that he had proven once again that the Christian belief and faith is a myth. Well, another student raised his hand. He said, oh, professor, can I ask you a question? He said, of course. Well, the student said, professor, does cold exist? <laughs> the professor said, what kind of question is this? Of, of, course, of course it exists. Have you ever been cold? The student snickered at the young man's question. Well, the young man replied, well, for, sir, in fact, cold does not exist. Because according to the laws of physics, what we consider cold is in reality the absence of heat. Everybody or every body or object is susceptible to study when it has or transmits energy. Or transmits energy. And heat is what makes a body or matter have or transmit energy. Absolute zero. Negative 460 G. 460 degrees Fahrenheit is a total absence of heat. All matter becomes inert and incapable of reaction at that temperature. Cold does not exist. We have created this word to describe how we feel if we have no heat. The student continued, Professor, does darkness exist? The professor responded, of course it, ex it exists. Of course it does. 
And the student replied, well, once again, you're wrong, sir. Darkness does not exist either. Darkness is in reality the absence of light. Light we can study, but not darkness. In fact, we can use Newton's prism to break white light into many colors and study the various wavelengths of each color. You cannot measure darkness. A simple ray of light can break into a world of darkness and illuminate it. How can you know how dark a certain space is? Well, you measure the amount of light present. Isn't this correct? Darkness is a term used by man to describe what happens when there is no light present. Finally, the young man asked the professor, Sir, does evil exist? Now, uncertain, the professor responded, Of course, as I have already stated. We see it every day. It is in the daily example of man's inhumanity to man. It is in the multitude of crime and violence everywhere in the world. These manifestations are nothing else but evil. To this, the student replied, Sir, evil does not exist, or at least it does not exist unto itself. Evil is simply the absence of God. It is just like darkness and cold, a world that man has created to describe the absence of God. God did not create evil. Evil is not like faith or love that exists just as does light and heat. Evil is the result of hap is the result of what happens when man does not have God's love present in their heart. It's like the cold that comes when there is no heat or the darkness that comes when there is no light. At that, the professor sat down. Obviously, there is evil in the world. But obviously, it's because a person's heart is missing the presence of God. See, when there is evil lurking in dark corners and darkness surrounds your life, let God in because it's going to be the presence of God that brings in hope in an evil world. Would you pray with me? Bow your heads for a moment. Heavenly Father, it's, it's this hope that we have in you that we need to share with people. We live in a time and age where we're, we're given access to bad news at the click of a button, at the scroll of a finger. We, we see many bad things happening and evil happening in our world. But Lord, you are good. May we not miss that. That good always wins over evil. So let us not be the kinds of people that that use evil to repay back what is evil. Let us overcome evil with good. Lord, we do pray for those who were affected yesterday in London. We pray for the family members. We pray for the men and women who serve the city. We pray for the doctors and the crew that is working tirelessly to bring order back to their city. May good come about 
all of the evil that takes place and help us as believers, Lord, to bring good into this world by being more like you, to imitate you more than anything else so that we can be the people that you specifically created us to be. I pray for anyone here this morning, Lord, that maybe they're asking you that question. How do I inherit eternal life? How do we, how do we gain this, this access to eternal life? And it is simply by calling upon you who, are, who is our Lord and Savior. By calling upon the name of the Lord, we shall be saved. And that's your promise to us. And so I pray for anyone here today, Lord, that maybe that's their prayer. Maybe, maybe hope died in their heart because of a certain situation. I pray that because of you, that you will be alive and well in their hearts, that hope would come alive once again. And if you're here today and you're saying, I want Jesus in my heart, I've never accepted him, I want to give him my heart today, would you just lift a hand and be bold and brave to say, I want Jesus in my heart. Okay, anybody else? You want God to breathe life once again into you? through Jesus okay you put your hands down we're going to pray this prayer together and for those who are saying yes to Jesus this is the most eternal decision that you'll ever make and here's our prayer let's, let's all pray this together Heavenly Father thank you for Jesus thank you for coming into my life forgive me of my sins I receive you as my Lord and Savior I believe in you you died on the cross and you rose from the grave to give me eternal life I put my hope in you in Jesus name I pray and we all said together amen amen can we just praise our Lord this morning Lord thank you we praise you and welcome those that said yes to Jesus this morning